This is Warrior's Way Podcast, Episode 10, and I'm James Eek. Important points. Six rules. To be sure, the best way to understand Karate Do is not only to practice the kata, but also to gain an appreciation for the meaning inherent in each of the various kata. However, since I have created, since I have treated the kata at some length in Karate Do Kyohan, and there are, they are not the subject of this book. But I would like to mention six rules, the strict observance of which is absolutely essential for any man desirous of understanding the nature of the art. Number one, you must be deadly serious in training. When I say that, I do not mean that you should be reasonably diligent or moderately earnest. I mean that your opponent must always be present in your mind, whether you sit or stand or walk or raise your arms. Should you in combat strike a karate blow, you must have no doubt whatsoever that the one blow decides everything. If you've made an error, you will be the one who falls. You must always be prepared for such an eventuality. You may train for a long, long time, but if you merely move your hands and jump your feet up and down like a puppet, learning karate is no different from learning to dance. You will never have reached the heart of the matter. You will have failed to grasp the meaning of karate do. To be deadly serious, then, is not just an essential for a follower of Karate Do. It is equal and it is essential for everyone's daily life. For life itself is a struggle to survive. Anyone so complacent as to assume that after a failure he will have another opportunity will seldom make much of a success of his life. Number two. Train with both heart and soul without worrying about theory. Very often a man who lacks the essential quality of deadly seriousness will take refuge in theory. Let us say as an example that a man has been practicing a particular kata for a couple of months and then he says with a weary sigh, "Ah, no matter how hard I train, I can't master this kata. What shall I do? A couple of months. How could he master a kata in a couple of months? The kibidashi, or horse riding stance, for instance, looks extremely easy, but the fact that no one could possibly master it, even if he practiced it every day for an entire year until his feet became as heavy as lead. What nonsense, then, for a man to complain after a couple of months of practice that he is incapable of mastering a kata. True practice is not done with words, but with the entire body. Others have mastered the kata that you're practicing. Why then are you unable to? Is there something wrong with you? These are questions you must ask yourself. Then you must train until you fall from exhaustion. Then soon you must continue using the same strict regime. What what you have been taught by listening to others' words, you will forget very quickly. What you have learned with your whole body, you'll remember for the rest of your life.
Number four, avoid self-conceit and dogmatism. A man who brags in booming tones or swaggers down the street as though he owned it will never earn true respect, even though he may actually be very capable in karate or some other martial art. It is even more absurd to hear the self-engrandizing of one who is without capability. In karate, it is usually the beginner who cannot resist the temptation to brag or show off. By doing so, he dishonors not only himself, but he dishonors his chosen art. Number five, try to see yourself as you truly are and try to adopt what is meritous in the work of others. As a practitioner of karate, you will, of course, often watch others practice. When you do, you see strong points in the performance of others. Try to incorporate them into your own technique. At the same time, if the trainee you are watching seems to be doing less than his best, Ask yourself whether too many, if you too may not be failing to practice with diligence. Each of us has good qualities and bad, and the wise man seeks to emulate the good he perceives in others and avoid the bad. Number six, abide by the rules of ethics in your daily life, whether in public or private. This is a principle that demands the strictest observance. With the martial arts most particularly with karate do, many neophytes will eventually exhibit great progress. And in the end, some may turn out to be better karateka than their instructors. All too frequently, I hear other trainees as pupil, follower, disciple, or junior. I feel such terms should be avoided, for the time may well come when the trainee will surpass his instructor. And the instructor, meanwhile, in using such expressions, runs the risk of complacency. The danger of forgetting that someday the young man he has spoken of rather slightingly will not only catch up with him, but go beyond him, in the art of karate or in other fields of human endeavor. A familiar tale of the tortoise and the hare applies not only to children. I often tell my young colleagues that no one can attain perfection until he comes to realize that it is, above all else, a faith, a way of life. When a man enters upon an undertaking, he prays fervently that he will achieve success in it. Further, he knows that he needs the help of others. Success is not to be attained alone. With karate do, by extending help to others and by accepting it from them, a man acquires the ability to elevate the art into a faith where he perfects both body and soul and so comes f finally to recognize the true meaning of karate do. I should like to think I am mistaken, but I am afraid I am not. For all too often recently I have heard young karate trainees use such expressions as a man of real ability or a man of battle or a man of actual combat. These terms are absurdly childish and betray an abysmal ignorance to the meaning of karate-do. Inasmuch as karate-do aims at perfection of mind as well as body, expressions that extol only physical prowess should never be used in connection with it. As one Buddhist saint Nichiren so aptly said, 
Everyone who studies the sutras should read them not only with the eyes that are in his head, but also with those in his soul. This is the perfect way for a trainee of Karate Do to always keep his mind. So that was taken from a really excellent book called Karate Do, My Way of Life by a master of the Okinawan and Japanese martial art of karate by the name of Kitchen Funakoshi. Now, before you think, oh my gosh, he skipped over number three. Um, for whatever reason, by omission or maybe on purpose, uh, Sensei Funakoshi, in his six rules, left out number three. Um, and even says in the text, although Master Funakoshi speaks of six rules, the one number three is unaccountably missing. <laughs> um, now, I don't know if that is something that is a fairly common thing that I used to hear about, though you don't hear about it too much anymore. And that is a concept that in English kind of translates to uh, crazy Zen. Um, and that is where you uh, kind of mess up the student purposefully. Or if you had six rules, you leave one out because the sixth one is um, either one that you should know yourself, one you should create yourself, one that um, is unspoken, or many other things. Or if just quite possibly that the fact that when Sensei Funakoshi wrote the book, he was about 90 years old. <laughs> so um, if it was because of that, I think we can forgive him. Um, Gichin Funakoshi was an incredible um, martial artist, probably one of the greatest that uh, we've had in, in modern times. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have karate. It's pretty much that simple. I should say this book as well, he wrote it just before he passed away. So it's even more um, probably important to, to read what he thinks in there. Um, these rules that he is giving, I think have a lot of value for us today as martial artists, just as back then. Um, let's just quickly go over them again, and I, I'll just paraphrase them. So the first one is that you must be deadly serious in your training. When we train, it's very easy to delude ourselves one way or the other. One way is that it's all just fun and we never take anything serious. Um, or we look at it like it's a sport or it's just simply exercise. You know, I can't tell you in my nearly four decades doing the martial arts how many times I've seen um, videotapes or DVDs or online things. Um, or even full-time places to go and train that are teaching more of a uh, a dance 
type of martial art um, where it's choreographed and um, just something that you send somebody to to you know either make them think they're doing martial arts or to um, spice up their workout workout plan um, but it's it's not the same as training um, but unfortunately there's a lot of people out there who just don't understand that that isn't training and they think that you know if you go to well let's just make up a name we go to Jazzerbox <laughs> um, and we you know jazz it out boxing uh, we really believe that we are getting the benefits that we're going to get from a martial art, or we believe that we're actually training in a martial art, which of course we're not, um, especially not an old school martial art. A martial art should be hard. It should work the body. It should test the will. It should push you. It should make you a better person at the end of the day. Um, now, does that mean that you have to train expecting to have to use it in combat? Um, I don't think that it hurts to have that seriousness in it. I don't think that you need to train like that every moment of every day. I don't think that you need to train in a way that you're walking into dark waters and becoming someone who is a practitioner of the dark side, if you know what I mean. But I think that you need to always examine what it is that you're doing. And you need to be serious, deadly serious, in your training. And realize that um, the partner that I'm training with, I'm helping them prepare themselves. Hopefully for something that never happens, but if it does they're kind of my responsibility too. Let's look at number two. Number two is train with both heart and soul without worrying about theory. That means get down to work. And that's very important. That goes hand in hand with the first rule. You have to get to work. You have to get yourself into better shape. That doesn't mean that you don't study theory. It says without worrying about the theory when you're training, right? Train with both heart and soul without worrying about theory. So you may have some very important and valid theories when it comes to your training. But when you're in the mix of it, you need to put in that sweat equity. You need to push the body. When you're doing jujitsu, you need to roll with people. You need to work your defense. You need to do this against various other bodies that are stronger than yours, bigger than yours, younger than yours, thicker than yours, thinner than yours, and do it regularly and with everything you've got so that you are unbreakable and unconquerable. Number three, we don't have. <laughs> Maybe he meant to get back to it before he passed away. I don't know. Number four, 
is avoid avoid self-conceit and dogmatism. It's far too easy to buy into our own hype and believe that we are something. Um, It's too easy to brag. It's too easy to show off. It's too easy to swagger. In the martial arts, you gain a superpower. The more you train, that's what it's kind of like. And when you have trained for six months or a year or two years or three years, when there's new people coming in off the streets, you are very much better than they are at it. Um, If you don't believe it, you need to train. (laughs) Then you will find out. Um, And then you start to see that you have this new superpower. And it's very easy for that to manifest itself in our lives. What's more important is to let all of that go. What's more important is to have self-respect and respect for others, to have self-control. We need to become more humble and we need to be open-minded and we need to be kind. Those are things that are important. Your own view of yourself over that of others, not so important. And anyways, if you train long enough, people are going to show you that they are better than you, even if you've been training for 10 or 20 years. That's just the way it goes. Number five is try to see yourself as you truly are and try to adopt what is meritous in the work of others. So what we need to do in our training is to examine our own lives. We need to see our strengths. We need to see our weaknesses. We need to understand our failures and we need to grow from it. Um, One of the best things about training in the martial arts is when you tap out, when somebody does something and gets you and you tap because you know what then you learn and it doesn't matter if you've been at this for a year two years 20 years 30 years 40 years you're gonna tap that's just the way it goes um you're gonna learn more from tapping you need to get it out of your mind that that type of thing is something to avoid you're not training so that you are untappable (laughs) You're training so that you are learning. You're getting better. You're developing a better you. And you're only going to get there by accepting the weaknesses that you have and working on them and becoming better. You need to see yourself as you truly are. And number six is abide by the rules of ethics in your daily life, whether in public or or in private. I think this is very important. 
I think it's far too easy for us to go through our lives with blinders on and not really see what it is that we are doing in our lives. We don't realize when we're rude. We don't realize when we speak improperly. We act like fools and do it without any thought. I think what we need to do is to always try to do the right things in our lives, to try to be thoughtful, try to be kind. Like I say to my, my kids' classes that I teach, be good friends. And when I say be good friends, I don't mean just to your friends. I mean to do good things to everybody around you and everything around you. Are you a good friend to the insects in this world? Or do you stomp on them? When you're walking down the sidewalk and you see a bug trying to get its way down the sidewalk and you know there's other people coming behind you, do you just walk right past it? Or do you nudge it off of the sidewalk gently so it doesn't get squashed? Do you do little things for other people? It doesn't mean that you have to do always grandiose things. It doesn't mean that you always have to throw yourself on your sword. What it means is that you have to always try to be better. You always have to think of others. When you're going through a door, you hold it open for other people, whether they say thank you or not. When you have the choice of doing a favor for somebody, do it. I think a very good lesson that I learned early in my martial arts, and I still practice it today, although now I don't... I, generally don't pass it on too much this one because I more or less I want to see how people do it because times change and it's just interesting to me but when I was coming up and you were with say you're out with your sensei and you are having dinner even if it takes an hour for that food to show up you don't touch your food or your drink or anything until you're sensei. It's a little thing, but it's a big thing. It's a little thing, but it's showing that you have some respect for that person. And you know what I've found is most of the time, that person that you're waiting for will probably say something. And they might be a bit surprised that you're waiting for them to start. They might tell you to go right ahead, which is fine. Then go right ahead. But wait. If someone makes you a meal, why not just wait a couple minutes for them to sit down? Even if the food's getting a bit cold. <laughs> wait for them to sit down. If you're sitting down with other people to eat, put the phone away. Put the iPad away. Sit there and ask them about their day. Have ethics in your life. Have purpose in your life. Have some principles in your life. Even if it is things that you find and you take them from this and from that, nobody's saying that you have to follow the code of the Bushido. Nobody's saying that you have to, you know, follow the principles of the Stoics. But what you can do is live a principled life. And that's not entirely a bad thing. And I think Gichin Funakoshi would be pretty proud of you if you did.
All right. So pick up that book, by the way. It's a really good read. I think you'll you'll enjoy it. And like I've said before, just because you don't do karate, maybe you do a jiu-jitsu or you do capoeira. I think you can still get a lot of lessons from the writings of these old masters. Um, if you have to, every time you see the word karate, insert in your mind the martial arts that you train. And I bet you it will be still valid for what you do. All right, let's go to some questions. And by the way, if you have any questions, please let me know and I will endeavor to answer them and let you know what I think about these things. Not that what I think is carved in stone, but it gives you a view on what somebody thinks who's been doing these things for a while anyways. Okay, so the first question is, how do you go about training for years? Well... First of all, you have to get down to it. You have to do it. You have to work at it. You have to continue at it. You have to never give up. The secret to that, though, is to have fun. And now I don't mean, you know, have fun as in make it into a game. I don't mean have fun as into it's all just a big joke. I mean, enjoy it. Enjoy every minute of it. Make putting on that uniform be the central thing that you do. And when you don't get the chance to it because of work or sickness or whatever, you should miss it, you know? And you know what? You will have times when you can't get in there and train. That's just the way it goes. Sometimes it'll be a short time. Sometimes it'll be a longer time. But get back to it. Don't make up excuses. Don't do the old, well, I'm behind everybody or um, I'm too busy or whatever. Get back and train. Find the time. Keep at it. Be the last person in, or the first person in, and the last person out. Next question is, what kind of supplemental training should you do? And by supplemental training, I take this to be, um, you know, physical training, or as we call it in the Army, PT. Well, I think you need to go to the gym. And I... I'm a firm believer in going to the gym because your body is kind of like a machine and you have to keep it functioning as best as you can, Um, especially as you get older. And I think you should start working out when you're younger so that you're building in your body a proper harmony. And I I mean, I've been very active all my life. And I think part of the reason why now at almost 50, my body is in a pretty good shape. Um, Part of that is, or a big part of that, I think, is because of the fact that I have been so serious in the PT part of my training. So that can be a whole bunch of things. When I was younger, I loved to run. Um, But I didn't just run. I did lots of push-ups. I did lots of sit-ups. I did all those kinds of things. As I got older, I decided I found out how much I enjoy going to the gym. And um, that became something very central in my life. And now, I, I mean, I love going to the gym. I think that going to the gym is probably one of the most important things that you can do because it builds a strong body. And it strengthens your bones, it strengthens your heart, it strengthens everything. Um, I don't think you need to become... 
um, obsessed with it. And I think you need to be careful with that because some people can. Um, but I think you need to be diligent with it. I think that going to the gym should be as important to you as a martial artist as getting into the dojo. Um, that doesn't mean you have to go crazy with it, though. Things that I think that you should do, I think you should do deadlifts, I think you should do pull-ups, I think you should do push-ups, I think you should practice any type of movement that gets you from the ground to standing. There's one thing I like to do with my students where you lie on your back and you do kind of like a sit-up to a low squat and then you stand up. And believe me, if you've never done that before, you're going to find it hard. Um, But it's very important. I personally think that walking is the king. Um, Walk a lot. If you um, find a good trail, get a backpack on, put some weight on it, and hike it out. You know, in the army, we call that rucking. Um, And I don't think there's much that is as good for you as as going for a good walk. Um, It gets your heart rate up. It's working your legs. It's working... Your muscles, your arms are swinging, your back is moving. Everything is moving. Um, walking, it, it, it's a good thing to do. If you would like to run, run. Don't run because you think you should. or you uh, Run because you like to run. I think that's a very good lesson. Um, some people run because they think that they should and they dislike it. Don't do anything that you dislike in this life, right? Unless it's brushing your teeth. (laughs) Brushing your teeth, whether you like it or not, it's a good thing. Um, The last question is, what about competition? I competed a lot when I was young. I spent almost 10 years in judo and I competed almost that whole time. I did karate after that and I competed in that. Um, I've done running competition. I've done... done tons of competition in my life i think it's a very good thing um but at the same time i have to caution people about competition as well you have to have the proper outlook when it comes to competition i think competition can be a double-edged sword if the proper uh way of looking at it is not there Competition can make you better in a whole lot of ways, but it can also make you worse. Um, You don't want to water down your martial art. You want it to become something that is useful. You also don't want to force people into competition who maybe don't want to compete because they can end up not wanting to train anymore. Um, Not only that, but you can create some monsters from competition as in egomaniacs and um, kind of not nice people. But at the same time, you can also get a whole lot of valuable stuff from competition too. It can teach you a lot more about your training and your life and, and a whole lot of different things. So if you're thinking about competing, try it. Um, get out there and do it. Um, but make sure you do it for the right reasons. Don't do it because somebody is telling you you should. Don't do it because everybody else in your school does it. Don't do it because you feel like you're missing something in your life. 
don't do it because you like the feeling of beating other people. Um, do it for the right reasons. Do it to have a challenge. Do it to push yourself. Do it to face the unexpected. Do it to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. And then if the time comes where you're done with it, then be done with it. And don't be afraid of that. I don't think competition's for everybody. Um, but if it is, embrace it. And especially if you're of the right age, take it as far as you can because you never know. This life is an interesting one and your martial arts can take you in a lot of different directions and into a lot of very cool places. All right. So I think that's the end of the podcast. Um, thank you for listening. This is episode 10, like I said, and we've gone a long way together. And I think we have a lot further to go still. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or uh, Google Play or wherever you're listening to this, um, or leave one everywhere you can listen to this. <laughs> um, the other thing is if you are so inclined and you like the things that I have to say or, inter or interested in finding out more about what I have to say, um, pick up a copy of my books. Uh, you can get my first book, Warrior's Way, A Guide to Lifelong Learning in the Martial Arts. You can pick that up on Amazon, as well as the companion book that goes with that, which is a training journal, which we'll talk about later. Um, a more recent book is called A Wolf in the Woods, Combat Essentials for the Martial Artist, and that talks about a uh, run-in I had with a wolf in the woods that kind of changed my view on martial arts and teaching and and what is uh, important, I guess is the best way to put it. So if you have any questions or comments, please make sure you pass them on. Um, remember this podcast, it's about you. And yeah, it's about these interesting things that people have written about or spoken about in the martial arts. Um, but it's about you and getting more out of your life and living a more engaged, a more healthy, a more vibrant life through training. Um, and I think if you look at what Kitchen Funakoshi was saying there, um, there's more to training than just the punching and kicking, right? It's about expanding our view of things, living by a code and this podcast i think invariably will be about finding out what that code is to you your training just lays the groundwork for all of it what i want for all of you is to live an amazing life so thank you for listening thanks for hanging on for 10 episodes if you have um get out there train hard have fun and be a good friend. Thanks a lot.